things. Jesus said a, a, a bad tree has bad fruit on it. So you know a tree by its fruit. You know whether it's good or bad by the fruit it bears. If somebody is, is all the time causing division and stress and anxiety, if somebody's all the time you know, pressuring you and, and getting you to do things you know that aren't right, that's bad fruit. That's bad fruit, even though they may name the right name. They may name the name of Christ. But, you know, Paul taught us that not everybody that says Jesus is preaching the same Jesus that he was preaching in the Bible. Amen. So things have to line up biblically. Um, but anyways, so we have this contrast between the, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. And so here uh, we're talking about these, these uh, fruit of the Spirit. And let me say this as we get into it you don't have to try harder to get more fruit of the spirit this is not one of those things that you've got to try harder this is the more you surrender to God the more you surrender the more you accept what Christ did for you at the cross the deeper work the spirit of God is going to take in you and he's going to teach you and lead you and guide you and he's going to be the one that produces the fruit it's the it's not the fruit of you it's the fruit of the Spirit. You're not loving. You're not joyous. You're not peaceful. You're not long-suffering. You're not those things. It's the Spirit of God in you that is those things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So just don't, you know, sometimes I've, I've talked with people and they're like, ah, I just got to get more peace in my life. I got to get more joy. And they get all frustrated and worked up and they got to go buy a DVD and a, a, a this and a book and this but it's, it all comes down to whether the Spirit of God is working in you. And that all takes place in your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. You're accepting that he is the sacrifice for your sin. That all your wrongdoing, even your wrong that you did today, Christ paid the penalty for your wrongdoing. Amen? You don't work it off. Christ worked it off. You can't work it off. And everything that God has for you is available by your faith in what Christ did for you at the cross. So you don't graduate from the cross. Amen. Amen. All right. So here's the fruit of the Spirit, beginning in verse 22. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And that temperance, it basically means self-control. Now, these fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about, we're in love. We're talking about love. Um, and tonight, we're going to, Lord willing, finish love. So let's go ahead and, and backtrack to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And we're going to pick up where we stopped at last time. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is called the love chapter. The love chapter. Isn't it amazing that love is called a fruit of the Spirit? People say, ah, oh, the world needs more love. Well, that means it needs more God. Because, you know, the love of the world and the love of God is two different loves. Showed you last time... The love of God is that God, you know, God loved us while we were yet sinners. God showed us his love in that 
you know, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That's God's love on display. That means that, that when we were not deserving of God's love, God gave it anyways. We, not only were we not deserving of it, but we had rejected God. We, we had lived a life of sin. We had gone in rebellion towards God. And even in our state of rebellion, when we didn't deserve God's mercy, God did the unthinkable by becoming a man and bearing our sin on the cross. And so that's a display of love. So we get into the love chapter. That's the display of love we're working with. We're not working with, you know, this kind of uh, third grade boyfriend, girlfriend kind of love. That's the world's love. That, that makes no sense. That does not work in the kingdom of God. That kind of love doesn't work. The love we're talking about is a love that gives even when somebody doesn't deserve it. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but that's not the issue. The issue is making sure our hearts are right with God. And if our hearts are right with God, we're going to treat people differently. Amen? Whereas the world will only treat you differently if you behave differently. Do you see the difference? You want me to like you, you better do something I like. But God's not like that. God showed his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ that for us. So big difference. So as we get into this, let's look in uh, where we are. Uh, charity is um, a, a part of love. Charity is actually uh, having mercy on somebody. Charity is showing goodness to somebody. That's what love is. It's being merciful and being good to them. And so, as you know, we get into this, um, that's exactly what we're talking about. Last time, we stopped at rejoices not in iniquity, which is in verse number 6. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 6. It says, uh, speaking of love, rejoices not in iniquity. So one of the main characteristics about love is that it does not rejoice or partake, enjoy things that are against God. So if, if, if you or I, I'll just put it in, in, in how we can understand, right? If, 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 if you or I enjoy things that God hates, that's not love. One of the clearest examples that you could give in the church is, is, is when people that go to church on Sunday go to the movie theater on Fridays and they watch movies where people are fornicating or getting drunk or getting high on drugs or something like that and not ever batting an eye, just watching it, eating that popcorn, drinking that Coke, where when, when it's us, we should not rejoice in iniquity. It should turn our stomachs. Iniquity, things that are against God, should cause us to turn from those things. You know, if we know that God hates those things, we shouldn't enjoy those things. We shouldn't say, boy, that was a good movie. What movie? Well, you don't want to see it, brother. All right. Well, what's going on there? Because love rejoices not in iniquity. You know, I shared a story one time, you know, about people on the job. They were, 
you know, I worked construction and they were always telling jokes that were crude. They had no business telling, you know, and they would always say it louder whenever I got around. Amen. Just to see the reaction that you would have. Just to see the reaction because the world wants to poke holes in you. The world, you shining a light in a dark world convicts the world of their darkness. Not because of you, but because of the light in you. And so the world is constantly wanting you to come down to their level because your bright light is convicting them. And the worst thing we can do is rejoice in iniquity because the world is swallowed up in iniquity. And if you want to give a good testimony to the Lord, don't rejoice in iniquity. You watching a movie and something comes on that God hates, turn it off. You know, the last time, uh, I'm not bragging on us, but the last time me and Sister Lindsay went to the movies, this was, I think, the year we got married or before we got married, this is the last time we went. And the movie, it, we went and got our money back. Wasn't 10 minutes into it. I said, I'm not watching that. I'm not watching it. And I asked for my money back because I'm not going to give money to something that is, it, it provides an avenue for people to even rejoice in iniquity. If I can help it, I'm not going to do it. Amen? And, and, and I'm not, you know, saying do what we do, but I'm saying there's those small things, and those are the little compromises that take place in a Christian's life that we don't even realize this is directly against God's word. This is directly against the spirit of God. Remember, love is a fruit of the spirit. So if you're rejoicing in iniquity, you're working against the spirit working in you. You're, you're counterproductive. You're being counterproductive. You're warring against what God's trying to do in you if you're allowing things like that to go on. You, you know, I, I, I heard a minister one time, you know, he uh, had a, a couple come in and, you know, they were going to just stay the night. They needed a place to crash and they were going to move on. Okay, are you married? No? Well, both of y'all can't stay here under this roof. How many of y'all heard stories like that before? Yeah? It, you don't hear it too much anymore. It, it, but, but that minister wasn't going to allow iniquity. And, you know, the word of God goes even deeper because he says don't even have the appearance of evil. Not to even have the appearance of evil. But we as believers should not re relax and enjoy or rejoice over things that God hates. So just a, a, a few of those things. I mean, you can go down that list of the works of the flesh, which we spent the last couple of months in. Um, but I, I just got down, you know, not laughing at, at evil things. You know, when somebody fails, when somebody fails God, we should grieve at those things, not be giddy over those things. When, when somebody tells a dirty joke, we shouldn't be laughing at those things. Amen? Um, you know, and, and, and if you think about it in terms of movies, because I think those are probably one of the main areas that people compromise because people may not commit adultery or drug use or they may not get drunk, but they may be fine watching other people get drunk and have, you know, foul language and things like that. Well, I can handle it, you know. I'm old enough. I can handle that kind of stuff. Well, your flesh can handle it, but your spirit is grieved by it. 
Your flesh can handle it, but your spirit's grieved by it. You want to grow in the spirit, you're going to have to walk away from those things that grieve the spirit of God. And so rejoicing not in iniquity is one of the things that the spirit of God does. Um, and, and so the, the deeper you go in God, the more you're going to be convicted over those issues, aren't you? The deeper we go with God, we're going to be convicted over those things. Somebody that pushes the pause button on their relationship with God, they can watch all that kind of stuff they want because they've done stopped pressing into God. But the more, you know, God convicts us and draws us closer to him and he refines us, the more that conviction is going to set in on, on issues like this. What you, what five years ago you might have, you, it might not have bothered you. This year it does. You see the difference? God's growing you. God's growing you. I was uh, sharing the other night with our friends. I heard a, a minister say, you know, he, he loved to talk to the older saints because he said this, the walk is just different because the deeper you go, the brighter the light. Amen? The deeper you go, the brighter the light. The closer God, you know, brings you in. But the brighter the light, the more you see the little specks. Whereas when you first started walking with God, you didn't see the specks. You thought you was all that in a bag of chips. But the closer you get with God, the more you get in tune with God, the brighter that light, the more you start seeing there's a speck, there's a speck. And so, and, and you're more in love with God now than ever. You, you want to obey him and please him. And so when you see those things, it grieves your heart. And he said, you know, he would uh, talk to these guys and they would, you know, talk about something in, in, you know, where 15 years ago they might have told lies themselves. And this year they're weeping over lies that they told 20 years ago. You see, the closer they get with God, the more deep that, that walk is. And it just, it, 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 it convicts them. You know, oh, I had a thought that I shouldn't have had, and they'll weep over it for hours, hours. You know what I mean? So there's this deeper walk that takes place, and, and the, the more we get in line with God's spirit, the more we get in tune with God, the more he's going to be refining us. If a person's not being refined, something's wrong. They done hit the pause button. We should continually be being challenged by the spirit of God because until the day that God calls you home, your flesh is at war against you. And if your flesh is at war against you, the spirit is compelling you and so there's this continual refining and, and building up of the inner man. I mean, don't forget, you know, what, what Peter talked about. The, the trial of our faith refines us. The trial of our faith refines us. You, you ever wonder, when is it ever going to stop? When are these trials ever going to stop? When is everything going to get good? When is it? Never. You're always going to have the trials of faith, but God will teach you how to walk through them. God will teach you how to navigate through them with, and not lose your temper. He'll teach you how to navigate through them and not doubt. He'll teach you how to trust his unchanging hand when you can't see five feet in front of you. He'll teach you how when things don't work out the way you want them to work out, to trust that he's in control. He knows best. He's the author and finisher of life. He's the one that holds the whole world in his hands. And he loves you. And so God will teach us these things. And, and it's this deep work of the spirit that he does in us. So 
Rejoicing not in iniquity is a big one. It's a big one that I believe causes most people uh, to, to not be able to walk the way that they ought to. Not be able to walk the way that they ought to. Uh, what do I mean by that? Is just that, you know, a, a, a compromised believer just doesn't have the authority for a spiritual battle. A compromised believer, they're, they're just, you know, doggy paddling when God's calling us to go out into the deep. A compromised believer just doesn't have that power. They don't have that victory. They're, they're, they're in that middle lane, riding the fence. Amen? And you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. You want to be growing because, you know, the, the last thing that, that we want to do is go backwards. And, I, you know, here's my saying, and you'll probably know it's coming. If you're not, if you're not front sliding, you're backsliding. I don't know how many times I've said it, but it's you know there's there's no middle. You're either being refined or you're indulging the flesh. There's no middle. Okay, so rejoicing not in iniquity, iniquity being things that God hates, iniquity being sin, iniquity being anything that that drives you away from God. Iniquity being sin or anything that drives you away from God. So secondly, we're here in verse number six. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. You see, you know why love rejoices in the truth? Because the truth is what makes you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You could be all kinds of mixed up in all kinds of areas. You could have all kinds of bondages, but once you get a hold of the truth, the truth will get planted deep down inside you, and the truth, Jesus says, will make you free. You can't help it. Once you get hold of the truth, it'll stir and bubble up on the inside of you, and it will cause you to become free from those past bondages. You get enough truth in there, that truth is going to make you free. Amen? Did you have something? Jesus, Jesus said he is the truth. Yes. Yeah, he said he's the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, but he said over there in, in John 8 that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Nothing brings us more delight than to see the truth of God spreading into our families, into our communities, and into the world. Doesn't it bring you so much pleasure, so much joy when your family members begin walking in the truth? Amen? You get a cousin or a brother or a sister or a spouse or, a, 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 you know, anybody begin to get saved, begin to walk in the truth. It causes joy. It just rises up because love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. And then when you see it in your community, you know, we're praying for this community right now. This community is, is going through some hard times. A lot of communities are. We're praying on this one. And when God's truth begins to move in this area, we're going to be overjoyed by the work of God. And then you see it in the world. You see missionaries go out in different places and bring the light. You know, we have uh, friends in Tanzania, in Africa, that are, are, are missionaries there. 
And, and they started out, there was hardly any Christians there. Now, they're bringing in, uh, they're, they're training pastors in Tanzania, and they'll, they'll easily have 200, 200 pastors go through their college and go back out into the villages, the remote areas of Tanzania, bring the gospel, fired up and equipped to preach. You talk about spreading the truth. It's amazing. And those people, when they get together, it's just so much joy, so much thanksgiving going on because God's light is changing communities. God's bringing people out of darkness. See, that's the problem that you see in the church today. It goes back to this word, compromise. You see this, the, 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 the society embracing things like abortion or homosexuality, things like that that God hates, God doesn't like. But the truth is what brings freedom. It's what brings people out of that. And as the church has compromised and allowed that stuff to go on and put their thumbs up on it, you've seen the joy leave the church. We might have big buildings, but there's no true joy there. There's no true fire there because there's compromise there. See, as we're, not, as we're not walking in the truth, you're not gonna have the spirit of God there. You'll have a spirit, but not the spirit of God if you're not walking in the truth. There will be a spirit. Not the holy one, that's right. Not the holy one. So it's important that we rejoice in truth, and if we rejoice in truth, we're going to desire that other people be made free by the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So it, 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 nothing would give us more joy, rejoices in the truth. Nothing would give us more joy than to see a community changed as they understand what God's word says and come out of their iniquity and turn to God. We rejoice in the truth, amen? We rejoice in the truth. Well, you know, here's something else about the truth is we wanna see all people have the same freedom we have. We don't wanna hold it in. You remember the song, you know, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And, it's, and one part it says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. See, if you've got the truth, there should be a desire in you that other people have that same truth. If God has set you free, if God has set you free from a bondage, whatever it may be, you can name it. If God has set you free from that bondage, there's a desire in you that others experience the same freedom. Amen? You see, rejoicing in the truth it comes into our relationships as well, though. You see, some people can get caught up in things like gossip. Things like gossip. You know what it does? They call it tickling the ear. But it's tickle, it tickles your flesh. And remember, the way that I've been treating this, you're either operating in the flesh or the spirit. So if we're operating in gossip, we're, we call it, we, you know, we sanitize it by saying it tickles the ears. Did you hear what brother so-and-so, did you hear what sister so-and-so? 
it, we, we sanitize it by calling it tickle the ears, but it actually is tickling our flesh. It's, it's arousing that work of the flesh in us. We're allowing ourselves to move out of the camp of the spirit and go right back into the flesh. It tickles the flesh. So what does love do? It rejoices in the truth. So if somebody begins to gossip, we say, look, we don't know the truth on that issue. Somebody says, did you hear uh, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that? And I heard that they said that she said that they went. You know how those go. It gets bigger and bigger, and somebody's cousin and second aunt and somebody they saw at the store saw somebody that's that seen it. And, but, but love rejoices in the truth, and you say, look, I, I can't go off a of hearsay. I'm not going to allow my flesh to indulge in hearsay. I need the truth. I love the truth. I rejoice in the truth. I need the truth. And so if I hear gossip about somebody, I'm going to go to them. Hey, let's shine the light on that. You know, the devil likes to work in the dark. So the best thing we can do is take a flashlight. Somebody somebody says, did you know that so-and-so is doing so-and-so? Well, let's go ask them. Let's go talk to them and see what's going on. Let's go bring the flashlight with us, right? And say, hey, somebody's talking about you. Is this true? Did you do? No, I've never been there. Well, you don't shine the light on what the enemy was trying to do. Do you know that the enemy tries to do that between spouse? Cause division, cause issues, doubts. You know, those thoughts get planted in there. And in between loved ones, maybe a cousin or an aunt, or you take a text message the wrong way, and then somebody else says, well, I know, you know they never liked you because, you know, you did, they, they did this and they did. People always, but love rejoices in the truth. Love says, well, hold on, let me go ask aunt so-and-so. Before we, before we get all carried away, let's go ask aunt so-and-so. Isn't that, that's what love does. Love's not going to allow that iniquity. Love rejoices in the truth. So, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to get caught up in the he said, she said, hearsay stuff. I'm going to take, you know, a big, they have those big old um, mag flashlights, you know. I'm going to take my big old flashlight and shine my light on whatever the problem is. We're going to see exactly what it is. And that's what love does. That's what love does. Love shines a light where the enemy tries to cast doubt. Everywhere the enemy tries to cast doubt and sow division, love shines a light on it. Well, let's get a little truth in this thing. Let's figure out what really happened. Let's get down to the bottom. Because look, as long as things are done in darkness, you're not going to experience any healing. You're not going to experience any healing. What if sister so-and-so or aunt so-and-so did something the best thing you can do is, is, you know, take that flashlight of the truth over there, go get down to the bottom of it, and start getting that thing repaired. Start getting that thing healed. It's better to do that than to leave things undone. And the enemy tries to get you to leave things undone so that there can be issues, sticky issues. Amen? It's his territory. It's his territory. He likes to work in that area right there and, 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 and keep you pitted against one another. Keep you pitted against one another. So next time somebody begins to 
gossip or talk bad about somebody or talk bad about you or whatever it may be, always remember, love doesn't relish in that stuff. Love doesn't relish in that stuff. Love rejoices in the truth. And so our hearts will be continually compelled to get down to the bottom of the matter. Amen? It, it could be that they're wrong, but let's get, the, let's get the, the gossip out of it. Maybe they just don't like us. Maybe it just don't work. Okay, but let's leave on good terms. Bless you. You know how many times people have done me wrong? Well, I know you don't, but I mean, there's a lot of times people have done me wrong, but say, you know what? That's, I'm, I don't hold it against you. God bless you. If I ever see you again, I'll hug your neck. I'm not going to hold it against you. Because I'm not, and the reason why is because you don't want to allow anything undone. 